Year-End Tax Strategies, Episode 51. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Profit with Law. I am your host, Moshe Amsel. And before I dive into this episode, I just want to bring to your attention that we are going to be hosting a completely online virtual summit, the Law Firm Growth Conference, the Law Firm Growth Summit. You can find it at lawfirmgrowthsummit.com, lawfirmgrowthsummit.com. And we're going to have 30 speakers uh, talking to you all about uh, growing and uh, streamlining and running your practice profitably. Uh, Five days, five tracks, marketing, sales, leadership and team development, technology and processes and financials. And this is so, so super exciting. We have a lot of work going into putting this together and I am really excited to bring this to you. Uh, So go over to lawfirmgrowthsummit.com and make sure to get registered. It is absolutely free to attend and it's entirely virtual. So no need to get on a plane or travel anywhere. You can have all of this right in your office or your living room, wherever you prefer. So without further ado, I want to jump into the topic for today, which is some year-end tax planning. Now, I want to first explain why this is so important. As lawyers, as attorneys, we are in a, and I say we, I'm referring to to all of you, I'm in the same bracket as an accountant. I'm in the same uh, category. So it's in, in this case, it is we. We are in a special category of citizens according to the new tax law that was passed uh, back in 2017. And that is that uh, typically a business owner gets uh, a QBI deduction, a qualified business income deduction of 20% of the income of the business gets taken off before the tax calculation. Well, for uh, people like attorneys and accountants, uh, specifically uh, listed in the tax code, uh, it says that if we earn over a certain amount of money, we are excluded from getting that 20% deduction. You lose it completely. And that can significantly increase your tax bill. Besides for that, uh, even without the QBI, if you're in the 22% tax bracket or the 24% tax bracket, and then you live in a state that taxes you uh, on top of that, maybe another 6 7 8%, before you turn around, you're, you're paying taxes on about 30 or more percent, 30 more percent or more percent of your income is going to taxes. And then you also have self-employment taxes if you're a sole proprietor single member LLC, if you're filing as a as a C or an S corp, then you're getting paid on payroll and, and 
essentially half of that 15.3% is coming out of your paycheck and the other half is coming from the company. But either way, you're paying another 15.3% in taxes on top of the income tax. So for any money that you're taking home, you're paying anywhere from 30 to 50% of it in taxes. So if we can reduce your tax bill or your tax liability or the amount of income that is subject to tax, uh, we're going to be saving you not just, uh, we're going to be saving you 50 cents on every dollar. So what that means is that as we approach the year end and as we start to look at how did the business do over the course of the last year, uh, you can start to think about making certain decisions to decrease your tax liability. And uh, right now, in the middle of November, is the best time to be doing this because some of the things that you might want to do cannot be done as you get closer to the new year and certainly cannot be done once the year closes. So this is the time to start thinking about them. And I wanted to talk about some of the things to think about in this episode without getting too far into the weeds of the details of each of them. Uh, so the first thing I'm going to tell you is, is that there are some things that you should be doing no matter what, and they shouldn't just be a question of whether you're doing them come mid-November. So for example, one of them is maintaining an office in your home for your business. Most likely, you already are doing work at home. It's just a matter of making sure that this is within the compliance or confines of the tax code. So the tax code requires that if you have an office in the home for the business, that it be uh, used exclusively for the business. So you can't have a, a guest room that doubles as your office. Uh, it needs to be completely dedicated as the office. Now, it also needs to be something that's required for the business. So typically, you know, you might use it for back office tasks that are not being done in the office. Like maybe you're doing your bookkeeping uh, in the office at home or things like that. So there's definitely easy and creative ways to uh, make sure that you're passing that requirement. Now, the power of the office and home is that it takes a percentage of your out-of-pocket expenses you're already paying for, for the cost of having your home, and it makes them business expenses where otherwise there was no way to expense them or deduct them from your income. So let's say that over the course of a year, you have out-of-pocket expenses for your home of thirty dollars or $40,000 between your mortgage payment, your real estate taxes, your utility bill, and maybe some repairs and maintenance on the home. Now, if you have an office that takes 10% of that space, of, you know, 10% of your home, then suddenly you're able to take 10% of that thirty dollars or $40,000 of out-of-pocket expenses and expense that towards the business. On top of that, you're allowed to take depreciation on your home office that you're not normally allowed to take uh, on your home. So that's an additional expense that is not even an out-of-pocket expense necessarily. Now, obviously, your mortgage payment uh, might be going towards the principal of the home. So essentially, you, you might be already paying that you know, each month. But 
the depreciation is an, another hidden expense that you're able to take and uh, and depreciate your home. And the nice thing is, is that uh, when you sell your home, right now the co- tax code allows for an exemption of a quarter of a million or half a million dollars, depending on whether you're single or married, when you sell the home as far as capital gains goes. So as you depreciate the home, you're you're lowering the cost basis of the home. So you're increasing how much you would make in capital gains when you sell it. Uh, well, as long as the new cost basis is it doesn't bring you below that quarter of a million or half a million dollar threshold in gains, then essentially you'll never have to pay taxes on that depreciation that you're deducting as an expense. So some really cool stuff can be done with the home office uh, exemption or deduction. And um, and you can really get creative with it as far as, uh, you know, if you have space in your home that you can dedicate for the office, it could be more than 10%. You know, personally, I run my business out of the home. And, you know, my, my goal as I as my business grows is to expand my home or move into a larger home to maintain the benefits of the home office deduction rather than paying somebody else rent or needing to purchase another piece of real estate for my business. So uh, that's one thing to think about is uh, some, of the, some of the things that we should be doing anyway, and that's, that's just an example of one of them. But there are a couple of things as we approach year end that can really move the needle for us as far as taxes go. And one of them is to look at the, the health benefits that are provided f- to our employees and to ourselves in the firm. And what's interesting is, is that there are certain health arrangements that the tax code allows and those are changing in 2020 again. So what is available to you this year is actually going to change again next year. Uh, but there's there's um, uh, HSAs and HRAs and uh, and all of those things. And basically, what I want you to do is is look at your situation from the lens of understanding that you have the ability with these plans to provide a benefit to your employees that would help retain them, help make them happy, help to keep them motivated in their jobs and to stay with you for the long term. And you'll you'll be getting that with your out-of-pocket expenses being only half of what you're actually seeing on paper because of those tax savings. So now is the right time to start looking at that if you haven't been doing it all year, if you don't have already something in place uh, to see if you can implement a plan if if it's too late for this year, at least going into 2020. But if you can implement it this year and perhaps implement some catch-up provisions in it, uh, then that can essentially be something that can lower your income for the year and allow you to take a tax benefit there. Now, medical plans is, is harder because you can't really, there, there's not a lot of backdating that can be done. Can't retroactively give people insurance. You can't retroactively give people reimbursements. So uh, very few of the possible arrangements uh, can actually help you reduce your tax liability for the current year. But we definitely want to start looking at those now so that we can implement them at the, come at the January 1st of 2020. Now, the next big one is retirement accounts. Now, 
the basic explanation here is that there are tax deferred accounts like the what's popular in the workplace, the 401k. So you could have a solo 401k if you're by yourself, could have a, a small plan, a 401k plan that includes your employees. And the nice thing about a 401k is that uh, the owner can put away a lot more than the employees can. So there's there's a, the, the company can, can pay a certain amount of your earnings into your 401k. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think that this year you can put up to $56,000 into the 401k pre-tax, where it now is sheltered from income tax. And at least uh, some of that is considered a business expense and it's going to decrease the income of the business. But with a 401k, you also need to offer that to your employees. Now, there is something called classes of employees, and the different plans allow you to separate your employees into different classes. You can also restrict it to employees who are with the company for a certain amount of time. So, for example, you can have it only kick in for employees who are there for two years or more. And then this way, if there's if you often have uh, rotation of employees quickly, you're at least limiting it to the employees who have demonstrated that they're here to stay. So you're not expending any money on and effort on people who are just there for a few months and then turn around and leave. But a 401k is just one example. There's a SEP IRA. There's also something called a defined pension plan or a defined benefit plan. And a defined benefit plan is one where you have to fund the plan based on the calculations of the length of service of somebody in the company, their age, and basically from the way that it sounds, it's a defined benefit. In other words, you, you determine what the benefit is that somebody would get at the end, and then it's an actuarial calculation to see how much you have to fund the plan today. And the nice thing is, is that that can potentially allow you to uh, contribute a significantly larger amount of money into the plan, uh, which would shield that money from taxes. Uh, so a defined benefit plan is what you would look at if you had a really good year, if, you, if, if you're doing really well and, uh, and you want to try to limit your tax liability in the current year. Now, once you implement one of these plans, it's kind of there to stay. So you need to make sure that you have sustainability as well. You don't want to uh, implement it uh, just for a year that you got lucky and you know broke a big case. But the norm is not to is not to have a year like that. You want to be careful about that. Now, obviously, you want to get the advice of a professional with this. And, and even many accountants are not well-versed in these. Like you, you might be better off going to a company that actually brokers these plans or can, you know, really understands what your options are. The thicker into the weeds you go with the defined benefit plans, uh, the more gray, the, the less information there is out there and the harder it is to get knowledgeable information. So just be careful that you did your due diligence, that you have somebody in your corner that you trust that is guiding you in this process. Uh, some other things that you can think about doing at year end to just 
Uh, and this doesn't, it doesn't remove the liability, the tax liability, but it will shift it from year to year. So instead of needing to pay the tax this year, you can push the tax payment to next year. And that is to accelerate expenses into the current year. So if your firm is running cash basis accounting method, which is what most small businesses are running on. So you most likely are running a cash basis accounting method for your firm. So if you are on the cash basis, then expenses are incurred when you have the cash come out for those expenses. So you can prepay your rent. You can prepay monthly dues on various leases and services that you have. Uh, you can certainly prepay your January bills, all your January bills, but there are even uh, often there are things that you are paying monthly for. So for example, your practice management software, you might be paying 40, 50, 70, 100 bucks a seat for your users. And if you have five users, you're paying $500 a month or 250, you know, somewhere between 250, $500 a month you can switch with many of them to an annual plan and usually that'll save you a couple of months of expense so if you pay, if you switch to the annual plan in december and you pay the annual fee you've now not only have you saved a couple of months of of payments cuz their annual plan is has those savings built in and it's cheaper but in addition you've now accelerated that expense into the current year and uh and you've eliminated the taxes on that for this year. Now, it'll increase your revenue next year when you don't have the expense. Uh, however, because you switched to the annual plan, it'll be billed again the next December. So uh, you will have essentially just kicked the can down the road for a year in when the taxes become due for that income. But it's things like that that can allow you to decrease your current tax liability. And that's really what we're trying to do is, is on, sometimes we're able to eliminate the tax altogether, but sometimes it's just a matter of, of the timing. And we'd rather have the cash in our pocket to spend on marketing, to spend on the growth of the firm than to pay the taxes. Uh, even if, if you'll ultimately end up paying it, you get use of that cash for a whole nother year, which can be re really, really valuable. There is another tax strategy, and this is not specifically a business tax strategy, but this is to help lawyers and accountants and, and uh, professionals that are, that are going to be at risk of losing the QBI. You see, the QBI uh, loss is based on the total household income. It's based on your adjusted gross income. So, you know, if your spouse is working as well, uh, there's a good chance that you're, that you're over that threshold. You need to look at ways to reduce your income. So one of the ways to reduce the income is with the conservation easement. And um, without getting into too much detail of how this works, I'm just going to tell you that uh, don't, you know, don't try to do this yourself. You have to go to a professional company that takes care of conservation easements that provides them for you. But essentially what happens is, is you, you purchase a, a, uh, a, a piece of property and then that property gets 
designated as a conservation uh, and it's it, it's acts as a donation. And what happens is, is that it gets valued a different way than the actual purchase price of it. So essentially you could get four to five times the value as a write-off for making that donation to the to the actual expense. So if you you know spend uh, twenty five thousand dollars and then you get an easement of a hundred to one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, you've essentially taken it's essentially cost you twenty five thousand to reduce your income by a hundred or one hundred and twenty five thousand, and that could be a way to get your income down below the threshold and save the QBI, and essentially. Um, it will you'll you'll save more in taxes than it costs you to put the conservation easement into place. That's a much higher level tax strategy, but it's something that you uh, that you can consider doing, and you need to do it before year end. So I hope that uh, some of these tips were helpful for you. There's all kinds of other things that uh, that you know you might not know about. If you travel a lot, so if you if you go to conferences and things like that, you you already know that you could deduct your airfare, your hotel. But I don't know if you're aware that for meals while you're traveling, you have you can either d- deduct your actual expenses of what you paid for the meals while you're traveling, or you can use a per diem rate. And the per diem rate is set by uh, the federal government, and it's uh, geographically specified. So um, it depends on what city you're traveling to as to what that daily rate is. But often, when we're traveling, especially if you're going to a conference, maybe the conference is feeding you, or maybe you're meeting other people and someone else is picking up the tab, you might not end up spending nearly as much as the per diem rate allows. So you can essentially claim that per diem rate uh, for each of your days of travel, even if you didn't have that expense out of pocket. So that could be another way to increase your expenses significantly, especially if you're doing a lot of travel. Uh, So I think I'm going to wrap it up here. There are definitely more ways for you to, more tricks and tips for you to save in general on your tax, uh, your tax bill, your tax liability. Uh, But these are some of the things that you might want to consider looking at as we're nearing the end of the year. I hope this information was helpful for you. Once again, we have this amazing summit coming up, 30 speakers, five tracks, all about growing your law firm, making it more profitable, getting your life back. And I'm really, really excited for it. I'm excited to hopefully see you there. It's completely virtual and it is it is free to attend. So there's no reason not to not to sign up for it. So go to lawfirmgrowthsummit.com, lawfirmgrowthsummit.com and sign up today. And with that, I am going to bid you farewell until our next episode. I will see you soon. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.